This episode is sponsored by me, Carolyn Choate. Schedule a funnel mapping strategy session so we can go through your business, your goals, and your plans together, and you'll get a custom diagram of your perfect ideal funnel. And you'll have the option to have me build it all for you in just one week with a funnel by Friday. So click the link in the description to schedule your session. Welcome, everybody. I am here with my new friend, Allie, and uh, we're taking this part two. So hopefully, if you tried to watch the first stream, you managed to come over this way because for some reason, we couldn't hear me. I've had a power outage for two days, so we are just recovering from that. But thankfully, here we are. And I am really excited to have Allie here because she has an incredible amount of knowledge and experience in publishing. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Carolyn. Absolutely. And I love our topic for today because self-publishing is a great option for so many people, but it's overwhelming. And if you're not in the publishing world, you kind of don't know what you're supposed to do or how to get started. And we have the impression that self-publishing means you gotta just do it all by yourself. But you found a way for that not to be the case. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that's a misnomer. Um, you know, really when I think of self-publishing, I think maybe a, a more productive way of thinking of it or a better way of thinking of it um, is more that you, you as the self-publisher are in control, right? So it's not that you necessarily have to do all the things yourself, um, although you certainly can do all the things yourself. Um, there are reasons why that's not always a good idea, but but uh, certainly it's possible. But really it's more about the fact that when you self-publish as opposed to working with a publisher, you in fact become the publisher, which means you have all the control, you get to make all the decisions. It also means you have all the responsibility, however. <laughs> But I like that, being able to call all the shots. I am a, like, stay out of my way, just let me do it kind of person. So uh, traditional publishing was not a good fit for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but you've been in that world. And in fact, you have a workshop coming up about three different options for publishing. Remind me the date on that again. It's later this month, right? April, April 27th, yes. Perfect. Okay. So we'll put some information about that in as well. But yeah, because there's all different paths. But today we're here to talk about how can people get support with that self-publishing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like, I think the first thing that really going into that kind of conversation when you are considering going the independent route or self-publishing, um, that you really first start by just getting clear on some things about yourself, right? So what is it that you want to get out of this experience? And, and that goes beyond just, I want to get published, right? You know, some people decide to publish a book because um, it's a personal project. It's, it's a bucket list item, right? It's something they've always wanted to do. They finally got around to doing it. And now they just kind of feel like, yeah, I want to, I want to put a, a so-called so period at the end of this project, right? I just want to make it a book, put it available online, done, right? That's a very different picture from somebody who says, uh, let's say, for example, I have a business, 
and I want to be a speaker and I want this, you know, I'm going to launch an online course and I'm going to do all this stuff. Right. And I, I have a bunch of books and I got three more in a drawer and I want all these books to be a part of my business. and I want to leverage them for, you know, to bring in more new clients and all this kind of stuff. Those two people are in very different situations and the kind of choices they might have to make and what they might put into that project are also going to be very different. So um, because you are self-publishing and you get to call all the shots you want to be really really clear about that end goal just like with any business plan right like if you don't know where you're trying to get to it's going to be very hard to chart out the best course to get there very true absolutely so let's see if people have a goal uh what would the next step be after they have figured out what they want to get out of publishing excuse me so everything, every decision that you make really sort of stems from that goal, right? So again, um, if you are if you are a person who is looking to self-publish for um, some kind of personal project, some kind of passion project, could be anything from you know you've written uh, your life story to. Um, you know, I've been in business for 40 years and I'm about to retire and I want to put all of my business wisdom into a book. If you don't have particularly large and ambitious goals from a sales perspective, if you're not coming at this from the perspective of, I need this book to accomplish something, right? I need this book to get me speaking engagements. I need this book to get me clients. I need this novel to set the the stage for the next four novels in the series so i need to grow an audience right if you don't have those kinds of goals if this is really just about something that you're doing for yourself mainly to satisfy yourself um, or a, an offering to the universe as it were um, you can keep things much simpler and i would say in that case uh at, the next real question is really more about what you want to put into it so figure out what you want to get out of it and then you think about what you want to put into it. And, and there's a bit of a Venn diagram there, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's very personal. You know, I've certainly met people who know that they don't have uh, large ambitions. They don't have any aspirations of, of you know, making a full-time living. They may not even want to write another book, but they have the budget. They do they want to really, to really you know, invest into it. Mm -hmm. That's fine, too. It doesn't mean you shouldn't, but it certainly does mean that you you have to think carefully. If you know you're not going to be making a lot of money from the sales of that book, maybe you don't want to put in the same kind of investment as opposed to if you do have very large ambitions and aspirations for your book. If your book is attached to a business goal, let's say, for example, a launch. I know you're the funnel queen, right? You work with a lot of folks who are building funnels, let's say, um, perhaps they're launching a new course or a new service or program of some kind. And they want that book to be the thing that they uh, give away that goes out into the world that starts bringing in leads into their funnel. Maybe it's the, it's the top of the funnel thing, right? Well, those are much more serious goals. And if you think you're going to achieve a seven-figure launch or a six-figure launch from a book that did not get any kind of professional guidance professional editing, professional design, any kind of assistance, then you're, what you're willing to put in and what you're trying to get out are not aligned, mm. right? So that's, that's the, where, you know, that's the important next question. You figure out what you want out of it. Now try to get what you're willing to put into it in, into alignment. And if what you're willing to put into it does not line up with what you want to get out of it, one of those two things has to adjust or you are simply going to be frustrated and brokenhearted and very, very upset and generally not enjoy the experience of publishing that book. So if somebody is one of these, like uh, a coach or speaker who wants the book to help support growing their business, bringing in leads, 
what are the most important parts to invest in to reach those goals? Um, excuse me. So depending on where you are already at and what your experience writing a book is like, you may choose to invest very early. Um, so some people, for example, will work with uh, a ghostwriter if they have the budget, if they have no intention of writing the book at all, they like totally want to outsource that. Working with a professional ghost can be a first step. Um, but if you if you are planning to write the book either because you want to or you don't have the budget for a ghostwriter, which a professional ghost um, with a good experience for you know business books, for example, can start at about twenty five thousand and go up. So it's it's quite a serious investment. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're not in that case, you can start with something like a writing coach. There, there are lots of book coaches out there, um, publishing consultants. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, publishing consultants. So somebody who, like me who maybe helps you um, get really clear about what the book needs to be about, who the audience is, you know, somebody that can work with you to get clearer conceptually. Um, I, you know, maybe not necessarily working with them to write the book. Maybe they can write it on their own. They just need. But what's important is from the very beginning, as you're writing that book, again, you want to make sure everything's in alignment. You have a specific goal. You're launching a course. You want to make sure that book is going to bring in the right kind of leads that will ultimately be interested in that course. Otherwise, the funnel doesn't work, right? Yes, and the um, makes sense. The content leads into it, definitely. Exactly. So, you know, if you're if I'm catching you early enough and you haven't started yet, that's a great place to start. If you already have a draft, if you've already been working on it for a long time, if it's finished, um, then your next best step would be to work with a developmental editor who is also going to give you some of that kind of conceptual analysis, making sure that the book is in alignment with the goals you have for it, with the, the whatever's in the funnel, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Um, and also just to make sure the book itself is coming together in the way that it needs to, that it's appealing to your stated target audience, that it's fitting into the category that you that you are aiming for, um, that it's logical, that it's compelling, that it's interesting, that it makes sense, that it's basically taking your reader on the, whatever that transformative journey that you want to take them on is. <laughs> yes. Do you have a service where people can like get on a call with you or someone on your team to talk through these kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. And depending on the stage you're at, we have different uh, different offers. So, you know, very, very early, you're still trying to figure it all out. You, you know, maybe you've written something or you haven't written anything. You're not even sure. Maybe you're not even sure you want to self-publish, right? Maybe you think you're, you're still a lot of folks these days, even though it's changing a lot, there are still a lot of people who think about publishing a book and they think working with a publisher is the only quote unquote real way to publish a book. Uh, which I do not at all agree with. There are many really wonderful, <laughs> valid ways to produce a book. Um, and and don't ever let anyone tell you any one way is the best way or the right way. It really depends very heavily on you and your book and your unique goals and circumstances. They can all be good options totally if it's a good fit. Um, <laughs> That's what so I too. There's no one right way. There's a right way for you and your goals. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, right. I, I do phone consultations. I have a profitable publishing consult. It's basically like a 45-ish minute call where like we just, you know, focus on you and whatever questions. Um, it's quite flexible. It's really just a detailed conversation meant to help you get some clarity and make decisions about your next steps. Um, but if you're further along, we offer a variety of services. We have a service called Outline Your Book Now that is great for nonfiction authors in particular who are relatively clear about what the book is and what they want it to do, but maybe they have too many ideas, they're having trouble like really narrowing down, um, and you know they, they need somebody to help them. Essentially, we pair you with 
an editor slash ghostwriter on the team specializing in your category who will work with you to outline the book, to basically create a very annotated, detailed roadmap that you can then take and just write the book to, which is going to cut loads of time and aggravation out of your process and probably save you some money on editing down the road because you're going to have a better sense of structure and how to build the book from the outset. Um, and again, if you've already got that draft, if you know I'm getting you too late, you've already gotten a little down down the rabbit hole, um, we do offer those developmental services which are designed to work with a completed draft already. Not to be discouraging, but I must admit, it feels a little bit like performing surgery once you've got a draft and you're trying to edit and like, oh, this needs to go over here. I got to pry this part open and oh, then that's going to affect this part. Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it definitely can. I mean, you know, in a perfect world, um, I'd be connecting with folks before they start writing, right? We, we'd be getting in, again, especially nonfiction. It's a little bit different when you're writing a novel or a memoir, you know. Um, but for those people who have a book that is very intimately connected to their business and their business goals, in a perfect world, you would get some input on the concept and the structure and how the book fits into whatever it is you are planning to do with it before you start writing it. Because yes, absolutely, it can be a, it can be a much more challenging process to have a completed draft and then to basically have to go in and say, oh, well, this is cool, but this has nothing to do with this program that you're trying to sell. Or like, this is really interesting stuff, but you've given them the answer already. Why do they need you? You know, like, you've got you've to find that, that right structure and that right balance. So um, as early yeah. as you can, seek that guidance when you, have, when you have bigger goals for the book. And I think in your workshop that is coming up, you're going to be talking about traditional publishing, self-publishing, and self-publishing with guidance. Is that right? Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, um, it's it's called Your Book, Your Choice, Three Proven Paths to Publication. And that is exactly what we do. We talk about traditional publishing, which is get an agent, get a book publisher, get a deal. Other yeah. end of the spectrum is the- years. Other end of the spectrum is the total DIY, where, where you, in fact, are doing everything yourself. And then in the middle is what I call supported indie publishing. And, and that is what we do. That is where, again, you are the publisher. You are the, you are the decider. You are the one who gets to make the decisions. Um, but we are your outsourced publishing staff. So that way we help you to make sure that all those things you don't know that you don't know, we know them. So we'll help you to make better decisions. Yeah. And if you're DIYing, I mean, that's still, we think of that as no cost, but that's not really true because you're still going to need to hire your own editor, hire your own proofreader, hire your own cover designer. So there's a lot of decisions that go into that. What kind of costs are people looking at in terms of self-publishing and self-publishing with support? It really depends very widely on a number of factors, but to give people an idea, um, if you actually do everything yourself, you could theoretically get away with a budget of zero. I mean, it is it is practically possible to do it. You know, there are lots of tools out there that will help you to create, let's say, you know, using a cover template. There are tools that you can use that have free versions that can that can give a, a basic edit and help clean the draft up a little. Um, you know, you can upload a file to Amazon's KDP platform. There's no charge, right? So it can be done. Should you do it that way? Well, again, if you have those, you know, bigger goals and you're hoping to get something out of this, you're going to need it to invest in it. There have been a number of studies and tons and tons of anecdotal evidence. Um, people who invest in their books by hiring professionals at different stages 
make substantially more and sell substantially more books. Um, one study, which admittedly is a little old at this point, there aren't a lot, unfortunately, but there was one survey that I, I hearken back to quite a bit um, that showed as much as 34% of a difference that authors who hired uh, professionals for things like editing and design made as much as 34% more than authors who don't. Wow, that is significant. And it makes sense. There's a lot of competition. Anybody can upload and lots of people now are doing the like low content journals, like cash grab kind of trying to upload just tons of stuff to KDP. And then the consumers are also a little wiser, you know, in the in the early days of self-publishing, I think people didn't know the signs that something was self-published and now they're on the lookout and they're like, that cover doesn't look professional. I won't buy that book, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Um, people, consumers are savvier and the bar has been raised. You know, when, when it was the early Wild West, you could throw together practically anything. And if you gave it like, a, you know, the right title and put in the right keywords, you'd make a bundle on Amazon just you know, because you can't do that anymore. It just doesn't work. There are too many books, too much, you know, too much noise, um, as it were, in the marketplace for things like that to, to really rise above. The, so the Amazon systems have changed as they've learned and watched the loopholes people were using and figured out, you know, how can we make this the best experience for the readers? Because the readers are their customers and they're the ones that really matter. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so you could do everything with zero not generally wise when you're expecting something in return. Unless again, it's one of those personal projects, right? If you don't have an expectation about sales and income, you probably wanna keep that budget as small as possible. That's that's a different story. Um, otherwise, you know, depending on the length of the book, how much work it needs uh, and what pieces you might take on yourself. You know, when we work with clients, um, we have some clients who suit to nuts, you know, they're very busy, they're running a business, they're planning a launch, they're doing all this stuff. Soup to nuts, you could be looking at a complete budget of about ten to 15000 And that is starting with developmental editing all the way through to design, publishing, production, marketing, right? It's like the full the full gamut with all the bells and whistles. Um, so it can yeah, be quite a bit less. And marketing as well. Is that right? You also support in those things? Yes. Yes, we do. I do one-to-one -one marketing strategy and launch strategy for authors who have a platform to work with and for authors who are a little bit newer that don't have as much, they don't have as much of a mailing list or an audience yet, um, or they don't have a strong network. We offer um, a package that's more suited to that, to that area. So yeah, it really just depends um, on what you're doing. Like I said, full bells and whistles, whole thing could be as much as 10 to 15. Um, but we've also worked with plenty of clients who have much smaller budgets where you know, we're taking on certain things that are really important to outsource, like, as you mentioned earlier, editing, getting a, a professional designer to do the cover for you, having someone do the cover copy, which is marketing copy, right? It's not just a summary. It's really important. Um, so you can outsource some of those. In our network over at Financially Free Author, we, we have a friend who does just book blurbs. Her whole profession is just writing that cover copy and teaching people how to do it for themselves if they want to as well. It's so important. So important. Yeah, really important. Um, but other things, you know, can be done more easily on your own, right? If you invest in developmental editing and copy editing, you could save a little money, let's say, on proofreading. Now, if you have the budget, a professional proofread is very valuable. If you're on a really tight budget of the three types of editing, 
that's the one where if you get a few, you know, really sharp eagle-eyed friends to read the, the manuscript with you and a little guidance as to what kinds of things you're looking for formatting-wise, you could get away with doing that yourself. Um, there are tools that could let you lay the book out or create your ebook files. Um, mm. And it could be professional and clean and easy to read. You could save some money there. Whereas, you know, doing your own cover, unless you're a professional cover designer, is almost always a bad idea, right? So Covers there are, are, there are ways. We're going to have an interview about that too coming up. Covers are very important first impressions. In fact, Absolutely. I think you know that expression don't judge a book by its cover i think books are the only thing that we do judge that way yeah it's kind of a funny expression right um it, it may not be true or, or it may not be ideal in how you deal with people that's why we say it don't judge a book by its cover but we also say it because the reality is that's exactly what we do we always we judge everything <laughs> we judge why it looks like we judge by first impression human thing so yes the packaging the presentation of that book is very important because I think when we write something, we talk about how that first sentence is designed to get people to the second sentence. First paragraph's job is to get people to the second paragraph. The first chapter is to get people to the second chapter. Well, the book cover and cover copy is to get them to open the book. So that's right. very Absolutely. needed. <laughs> and not easy. It's not easy to do well. You know, it's, it's very challenging sometimes to understand how to write about your own work with that kind of market savvy, client focused, what's in it for me, right? Perspective can be, can be yeah. tricky. <laughs> but one of the nice things about an investment like this is the book doesn't stop selling. Once you have it out, this can be continuing to generate revenue and leads. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's another real misnomer or maybe not misnomer, a misunderstanding. Um, People are often very focused when they publish a book, understandably so, on selling the book, right? They're looking at, well, I invested this much to create the book, so I want to sell, you know, this many copies to make that money back. And absolutely, you want to make money from selling your book. However, again, especially for, for nonfiction authors and people who have a business goal related to it, nine times out of 10, you're going to get a lot more income from the other stuff that the book makes possible for you, the speaking yeah. engagements, the the new clients, the you know visibility, the the launch if there's a launch attached to it, that's yeah, where you're going to make a lot more income. Bigger. <laughs> yeah. Like I have I have my ebook up on Amazon now for four ninety nine about how to build a book funnel, but of course I'm not expecting that a four ninety nine book that I get some percentage of royalties on is going to make me a full time income. The idea is to let people know that I can build it for them. That's right. So, thinking in terms of like, if clients come from this, that's where the money's at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, and that's not to say that you don't make money from book sales. Um, however, you should be aware that you are unlikely to make that money back from one book. Mm. Right. Um, people do make a living from book sales alone, but it takes a lot more than one book to do that. Are you in that group, the 20 books to 50K? I know I uh, I am I'm in their Facebook group and I I follow I follow the work and a couple of other communities that are kind of like that and it's just really inspiring it's really inspiring to see and amazing to see how fast some yeah. people write people share their royalty numbers and it's just staggering yeah but um, yeah like you said very inspiring if you have if you're if you're churning out those books you can get to a full time income with it but you got to be a fast writer. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. So I think I think that's really the thing. It's like make money from the books, but you need more books before you're going to see serious money from the book itself. If you have one book, your money's really not going to come from the book. It's going to come from the other stuff that the book gets for you. That's something I wish I understood when I was getting a degree in professional creative writing. <laughs> it's not like they could have told us that, but didn't fully comprehend. You know, I think we were all thinking we're going to write the next great American novel and be millionaires. And that's that. Even though I think a lot of great American novelists didn't really see any income in their life. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point. It's funny, right? The, the people we think of, right? The, the Fitzgeralds and the Hemingways exactly. and the Faulkners and, you know, they didn't necessarily make a ton of money from the books when they were still alive. They're, they're, they're great American novels now. <laughs> Uh, not, yes. not quite as much when they were published and, and you know and right like it happens there are certainly authors out there who get really lucky and write an amazing book and all the stars align and it's a new york times bestseller and they make tons and tons of, of buckets of cash from one book but it's not typical yeah you can't really count on that as your marketing strategy certainly getting lucky is not a marketing strategy <laughs> put it that way <laughs> So what else would you like people to know about self-publishing and the kinds of support that they can get? I think it's a really good idea to talk to a lot of people and to always be conscious of who you're listening to. Um, you know, I remember way back when when self-publishing and, and ebooks was really just starting to become a thing. Uh, there were loads of authors on social media in particular who were very happy to tell you about how you should never waste your money hiring people when you can do it all yourself or um, who would say things like, oh, traditional publishing is a scam. You should never you know, do it all yourself. Don't traditionally publish or, or, or the reverse, right? Self-publishing is for losers who can't get published. You should never do that, you know, whatever. Um, and a lot of times, like if you dig a little bit deeper, as, as is normal for any human being, your advice is often born of your experience. But why would you listen to somebody who didn't have the experience you wanted to have? Mm, right? Very much. Um, yeah. I, I remember very, very clearly as like a classic example uh, that I, I bring up a lot. I was in a LinkedIn group for authors and they were having this conversation about editing and designers and hiring people and all this stuff. And this one uh, woman was extremely vocal about how she never spent a dime paying anybody else for her books. And she'd sold thousands of copies and people are just going to try to take your money and don't let them and like all this stuff. Right. And I remember clicking through and checking her out and her profile picture was like a mall glamour shot. She was a romance novelist, right? I mean, she had this terrible, cheesy, like I went to the mall and bought a glamour shot. Do you guys remember glamour shots? Who's here like as, as old as I am? Do you remember glamour shots? With like a feather boa, like ridiculous, terrible cover. And when I went to check out her books, it turned out that the, the thousands of copies she had supposedly sold, um, in fact, were free. She had never sold a single copy. She, like they, she, her book was free. So, you know, she had almost no reviews. You know, she had less than five reviews. Mm. She wasn't ranking. Her, like nothing about her was professional. And, you know, so if this person was very happy giving away thousands of copies of her book, um, which, by the way, can be a great sales tactic as part of a larger strategy. But, you know, 
someone who's telling me that you shouldn't, you know, bother to to hire professionals because you don't need to. And look at me, I've done it without professionals and I've sold thousands of copies. And you find out that person has never actually sold a single copy. You have to think real hard. Is this advice I want to listen to? Yeah, you got to dig in, do a little due diligence on the advice that you're getting. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of noise. And there's a lot of people giving great advice, too. You know, you just have to you just have to be careful. Um, sometimes the most vocal people are not necessarily the best people to listen to. Mm. More wise words. Yes. I'm trying to think if I have any other questions that I just have to have you answer immediately. So we're talking about like, what, what do people really need to know? Yeah, like, yes, yeah, so like talk, talk to people, ask questions, um, be, be conscious of the inherent bias in anybody's advice, you know, suss out who you really want to trust. Be careful, be careful. You're not just listening, like you're not just getting what you want to hear, right? Don't just listen to the people who are telling you what you want to hear. In fact, the people who make you are a little bit uncomfortable and a little upset, that's generally a sign you might actually want to take a pause and dig deeper sometimes you know and i don't mean people who are mean to you right like that's that's a different thing but you know so you said you talk to someone who says something like really rude to you like that's not what i'm talking about but but if someone's giving you advice that makes you feel a little uncomfortable that makes you a little scared or you know that makes you a little bit upset often that kind of emotional triggering in a situation that objectively is not emotional can be a sign that there's something you need to pay attention to, right? So that that might be the best advice you've gotten. Don't don't you know? Don't let yourself cut cut yourself off. Yeah, good advice because it like makes you a little uncomfortable. Subconscious bias going on there, and I appreciate how you're saying it doesn't mean like if it makes you uncomfortable, then definitely do that. But just like open your eyes, pay attention to it. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. But like follow that feeling and try to figure out is this a legitimate concern or is this coming from my own fears yeah yeah i had a client um i had a client just a few weeks ago um that we we wrapped up and i remember when she first came to me you know she had published a book a couple of years ago and everybody was telling her that the cover for this book was not working everybody was telling her this cover was not working she told me this and she ignored their advice because she loved it she loved it so much and she was just like they don't know what they're talking about i love it i need to trust myself you know they got like really irrationally angry when somebody would try to critique it for them you know just like whatever and sure enough you know she went ahead and she published the book and she had terrible results and now here she is like two years later talking about republishing the book with a new cover and new copy and all this stuff um because th that emotional reaction had nothing to do with the cover itself and everything to do with the fact that she felt personally criticized. Mm. Right? She made the cover, so she got really upset when people told her the cover wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, that's a big tip for authors, too, is to learn how to diffuse your defensiveness I think that's probably the most valuable thing that I got out of doing a professional writing program because you have to have your work critiqued, your you, people are reading it out loud in front of you, and your peers are just like, I don't like this, this part doesn't make sense, and you have to just sit there and listen, even when their critique is ridiculous. So it's really helpful to learn to take that in without getting angry and defensive and being able to listen. Yeah, if you if you if you can't control that emotional response or or at least 
recognize it. You don't have to be able to control it. I'm a, you know, I, I was a professional ghostwriter for years. And certainly when our editor would send back, you know, the edits on the first draft, you still have that emotional, like, what do you mean you didn't like this? What do you mean that's not clear? It was perfectly clear. Like, right. It, that's normal. You're always, I, I guarantee the biggest best-selling authors in the world are all out there getting the same response, you know, when their editors send back edits. Uh, so it's not that you can't, that you shouldn't feel it, but, but you do need to recognize it for what it is and not allow that to control your decisions. Yeah. Very smart. Absolutely. And I think, too, we have to pay attention to how old the advice is that we're seeing online, because the world of marketing books is changing extremely rapidly. And like you were saying, like, I published my novel in 2009. Back then, you could set it for free, and it would climb the charts. And when you set it back to paid, it stayed on the chart. <laughs> like, you could sell thousands of copies just instantly with this, like, little trick. Does not work anymore. Or... Amanda Hawking, the first yeah. millionaire from 99 cent books, like that just does not happen anymore. So if you're taking this advice that was created back then, then you might not get the results that you want to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Especially when it comes to self-publishing, the technology changes very rapidly. New tools are coming out all the time. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Amazon is constantly adapting. Whenever they feel like people have gotten too good at, at exploiting a loophole or, you know, gaming their system, so to speak, they change it to stop that from happening. So just like Google with the black hat SEO, always yeah. making changes to try to stay on top of people that are being a little shady. But that's okay, because we are not shady. So No, no, but the changes do affect everybody, even if you are a perfectly, uh, <laughs> a perfectly uh, law-abiding citizen doing things the right way. You still, you know, it, it's still true that those changes will still affect you. So, yeah, definitely pay attention to how old the advice is, as well as where it's coming from, for sure. How do you personally stay up to date with everything in the publishing world? Ooh, lots of reading, lots of conversations. Um, there are a few sources that I trust. I subscribe to a paid newsletter, for example, called The Hot Sheet by Jane Fried Friedman and uh, Porter Anderson, who are two very well-recognized and well-credentialed publishing professionals um, that have been reporting on the industry to the industry for quite a while. Um, so I, I love that. Uh, Publishers Lunch and Publishers Weekly are also um, some publications that I like, and Shelf Awareness. Uh, mm. Shelf Awareness has two versions that are free. You can subscribe as a, an industry person or as a reader or as both, and you get slightly different newsletters. Um, so those are those are some resources that I really, really like. And then, um, yeah, I just make sure that I'm always talking to people and I'm, you know, I go to the, I go to the conferences and I go to the events and I just kind of pay attention, you know, where, where are things, where are things changing? And, and there's a lot to keep up with. I mean, you know, even I can't keep up with everything. I'm sure there are things that I think are still good that may or may not, you know, be a hundred percent current, but um, I, I am, I got a better chance of it than probably your average person because of how hard I work to, to stay on. Top yes. of things. I think Kim makes a great point here that when an editor gives you feedback, it's not a personal attack. It's not you're a bad writer. It's quality control for a reader experience. And again, the readers are the clients and That's the right. customers and their experience is what matters more than more than yours. 
That's right. That's right. Again, right. It, it, it's all going to circle back to the very first thing that we said. What is it you're hoping to get out of this experience and what are your goals for the book? Mm-hmm. If you don't care about selling books, you don't have to care about anybody's opinion, but your own. <laughs> but if you want to sell books and you want an audience and you want reviews and you want to keep publishing books that other people want to read, you better care about your audience and what they think. Yes. Well, we will uh, wrap things up, but if you want to hear more details and get the link to sign up for this event about the three paths of publishing, then um, come on over to financiallyfreeauthor.com and sign up for my newsletter list because I will send out the details about that as soon as we have them. And it's going to be, it's going to be a great event. So definitely want to do that. Yeah, I hope so. If you have any questions whatsoever about how to get your book out into the world, this is going to be a great free webinar for you to attend. Yes. All right. Well, thank you again. And I really appreciate you being patient through all of the tech challenges today. Oh, likewise. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. All right.